Hey everyone, and welcome back to Joygasm, where we chat about video games, movies, and pop culture. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. He, of course, is Steve, Xbox Live Stevenich. And we excelsior into episode 96 today, November 17th, 2018. To get the most out of Joygasm, follow us on your social media of choice and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. In addition to iTunes and Android, you can listen to your podcast on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.com slash Joygasm TV. Also, for exclusive access, check us out at Patreon.com slash Joygasm. <clears throat> it is going to be a bit of a somber episode, I think, of sorts, uh, just because... Um, the, uh, the the late great Stan Lee uh, has passed away this this past week, and so um, we're going to be getting into that as our uh, topic of the day in just a bit. But wanted to find out from uh, you, Steve. How you doing? Ah, you know I'm doing okay, Russ. Freaking freezing outside. It is. It is cold, <laughs> isn't it? Man, I tell you, like when November hit, and all of a sudden, like, oh, I thought this was. Just gonna be a little bit cold. It's a cold spell, you know. It's not gonna be till January till it really gets cold, and then yeah. it drop like thirty degrees in, in like a, a day or something. It just stayed there. Uh huh. So now when it gets warm, it's like maybe fifty nine or sixty degrees. Like oh man, shorts and flip flops. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> it's oh. weird how like it's almost like a yo yo in the sense where <laughs> yeah. like it just it goes really really warm, and all of a sudden it gets a violent shove into yeah. really really cold. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, fall gets that where, uh, you wake up and it's cold and then in the afternoon you're thinking, oh, I'm just going to keep the jacket on cause it's cold outside and you get outside in the sun. You're like, man, it's kind of hot. I'll take this off. Okay. <laughs> and so then you get back inside and think, oh, okay, you know, I'll, you know, continue work day. And then you go back out to your car to drive home and now it's cold again. Like, man, it's freaking freezing outside. Yeah. All right, put the jacket on. When you're in Texas, yeah. you've learned to carry both a jacket and a Speedo with you in the trunk. <laughs> yeah. You never know what's going to happen, even on a day-by-day basis. <laughs> jacket in the, in the trunk, Speedo in the glove box. There you go. <laughs> man. So what have you been uh, playing? Let's see. No, Well, actually, I haven't played anything but Red Dead. I played that the entire week. I, I when I when we were about to twitch uh, Overwatch and I couldn't update Overwatch because it needed a 19 gigabyte gigawatt yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> update. Uh, I just finally left it at my Xbox on all night long. It was funny because the X man, I tell you, we, we gotta we gotta talk about this one of the Patreon episodes about how my how the Xbox One regular. Uh, has been experiencing issues as of this year. It has. Man, I tell you, because all my mobile devices work absolutely fine. My computer works fine. My phone, all my phones uh, work fine off of Wi-Fi. Not on cellular, but Wi-Fi. But my Xbox, I tell you, is struggling. It is. Mine is Man. as well. So anyhow, uh, I thought I was going to play some Overwatch, but I, I didn't. Oh. <laughs> the only other game I played, I guess, was Sea of Thieves, and that was with you on Twitch. So that was about it. I uh, getting through my 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 black sails. Mm. So that's uh, I'm done with that one. And oh, I got some movies in. So I I I, I got the uh, Blu-ray of Wonder Woman. I'm gonna be watching that pretty soon. Oh, so very nice. Should be getting something else in the mail here in a bit. Now, was that a Netflix or did you purchase it? Uh, no, that is Netflix. Oh. I have yet to purchase it. You haven't purchased a, a movie in a while, have well, you? Well, Russ, 
Black Friday's coming up. I'm making my list oh, and I'm checking it twice. Look at this guy over here. So uh, I'm going to see. Santa <laughs> making a list. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to be checking it twice and running out there to see what kind of prices are naughty and nice. Oh. <laughs> so anyhow, uh, what about you? What are you doing? What about me? Well, let me think about this here for a moment. I played Spider-Man's uh, DLC pack with the Black Cat. Mm -hmm. And so it was nice to be able to return. Uh, but what was really funny was that I um, had kind of forgotten how the controls worked in the game because I've been playing other games like Red Dead Redemption 2 and uh, Forza and whatnot. So I was like, wait, how do I do my web? Okay. Yeah, there I, we remember, go. I remember Nick from uh, Bombarded was saying like, <laughs> oh yeah, I went from Spider-Man to Red Dead and I started shooting everybody because I was used to web slinging. <laughs> yeah. So did you go back to... I had the opposite experience. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty funny where like I was used to playing at Red Dead and then went back to Spidey and I was like, wait, how do I run? No, how do I shoot? No. He's <laughs> like the anti-hero. Instead of like saving the good guys and the bad guys web slinging <laughs> people up, he's like, he'll save you. Bam, 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 bam. Let's Sorry about that. The uh, the DLC was actually one that I was looking forward to just because I really enjoyed that little side mission from the overall game itself where you're you're looking through the the cameras that Black Cat had kind of set up throughout the the city of Manhattan. But you never really saw her. You just saw kind of elements of her. And so it was cool in this one where you actually did get to see her. You got to, um, you know, you were chasing after her. You were fighting with her. You were kind of fighting a little bit against her. Um, so it, it had, um, um, the storyline itself, which I won't go into cause I don't want to spoil it for anybody else, but like, it's just, it, it was a fun thing to do. And the way that insomniac games is setting up their DLC packs, cause I think they have two more that they're going to drop, but the storyline continues where the last one left off. So there is kind of a cliffhanger at the end of the first DLC pack. And it's like, Oh, well, can't wait to get the DLC pack number two. And it's a cool approach because it gets, makes you want to you know, download the other DLCs sure. as well, which I was planning on doing anyway. But I think it's it's cool how they have decided to purposely weave the story into all three DLCs as opposed to them being like standalone stories. So looking forward to that. I, of course, uh, celebrated my daughter's fourth birthday. You were here as well, and uh, that was a, a lot of fun. I find that, that this week has been kind of a, a range of emotions for me in the sense that, like, on the one hand, I have my daughter's birthday, uh, which, you know, for, for any parent, whenever your child has a birthday, it's a very happy time. It's a very celebratory time. It's crazy just to, like see how far they've come and it's always fun to have friends and family come over and, and, and just have that moment. And then on the other end of the spectrum and you have uh, Stanley passing and I uh, recently found out too, that uh, the, the writer for the princess bride, um, William Goldman also died. Oh man. He was 87 years old. He won best screenplay for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance sure. kid from 1970. Yep. Awesome movie. And he also uh, won Best Screenplay for All the President's Men in 1977. But The Princess Bride, actually, he wrote it as a story. It was a book first. That's so cool. And in, the then, in the beginning of the movie, it's a, right. it's a book. Yeah. And then he translated it into like an adapted screenplay for the silver screen. And, of course, the rest is history. But um, so, yeah, it's, for me, it's been kind of a, a week of reflection, honestly, in, in all senses. I'm going to put those movies, not The Princess Bride, because well, I already, already own it. But um, I'm going to uh, I'm going to put those movies on my my Netflix, the Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and uh, all the president's men. It's been a while since I've seen them in 
you know, pay my respects yeah. in a sense. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I was also playing Red Dead Redemption 2, and like you, mm-hmm. I have really been taking my time with it. I've really yeah. been enjoying just every little nook and cranny, and just I am so impressed with what Rockstar has done with just I don't, I don't know how they're able to cram as much production value into this game but i mean it's it's, it's insane to like just see the the amount of detail whether it's clothes that's mo- that are moving realistically or right. blowing in the wind combined with fog or mist elements combined with volumetric rays combined with just how many characters and pcs and stuff are are moving or like you know if you see a train or something I mean, it really, and, and, and we've talked about this before in the past about how I'm just rocking with a, a standard Xbox One and right. a 1080p TV, and, and I am absolutely floored by what I see. And I've had friends like our good old friend Brad, who has the 4K TV Xbox One X setup, and he um, told me over the phone about how his son, who is playing on the same setup that I have, he would walk from where he was playing it in his house to where his son was playing it, and he was like, "There is a significant difference in terms of how the game looks." You know, I'm sure I'm surprised you didn't buy it on PS4 Pro. Well, I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. It's because the PS4 Pro's technical specs are not as robust as the Xbox One X, and I knew that I was eventually going to get an Xbox One X. And as a result, I, all the games that I really want to play, you know, like Shadow of the Tomb Raider, RDR 2, Soul Calibur 6, all these different games that I currently own that I've either have bought and haven't played through, or maybe I've already played through them, I look forward to playing them on the Xbox One X because that is the most premier or premium, I guess you could say, experience in terms of, of just graphics fidelity. So now there are certain titles that are exclusive to the PS4 Pro. And so I, I predominantly just buy those types of games for the PS4 Pro. And it's great because there are, I mean, I have, I don't know, like 10 games for the PS4 that are all just really beautiful and real fun to play and everything else. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, kind of a common thing I've seen online too, where people talk about it and, and there's just no comparison. Like yeah. the, the Xbox one X is the, the, the current standard in terms of like how good a graphics experience you want to have on, on console. So of course it can't match the PC, but right. then again, the PC is a totally different That's beast, a different animal. Yeah. You know, I try to do my best and when I'm riding around uh, in through Valentine or Rhodes or wherever else, I, I say hi to everybody. Like that's just like a normal that's what thing. I do like, too. How you doing, Mister? Sort of thing. Uh, Spam and then, the greet button. Yeah, exactly. And then someone goes like, "Get away from me!" I'm, I start to. I'm like, "I'm not tantalize that person. I'm trying to be nice to you for crying yeah. out loud, you know." And so he's like, "Yeah, is that the best horse you can get?" <laughs> 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 uh, but I mean, it makes me feel good to you know ride through town, and it's it's like they're my friends. Yeah, you know, I'm like, "Hey, how you doing?" They're like, "Hey, fine morning. How are you?" <laughs> well, it's weird too because you're being like super nice, and yet you're a part of this outlaw gang. Yeah, and. It, I, I've, I've talked about this before too, but I'm curious to see where the story ultimately goes with this game because they have intentionally put in like that little meter at the bottom that shows it's almost like a paragon meter of sorts where like, are you going to be this really good person or really evil person? But yeah, at the same time you're with this gang and I, I have a feeling that the good folks at Rockstar uh, are consciously 
leading us down a certain type of path of conflict that will rear its ugly head at some point in the future. But as it stands right now, I am just really having fun going on my own and learning everything. I actually spent an entire evening just upgrading all my guns. I went to a gunsmith. Oh, I did that. Yeah. It was so fun. I spent hours. I was like in there for like four hours, just like going through all the different options they had for like just different firearms. If it was a handgun versus a rifle versus a shotgun, whatever it is. And it was just great. I, I when I left uh, the store and I was walking around, I could see my pieces on my body. You can totally tell a difference in terms of just how much more, I don't know, just showy it looks how much more refined you look as opposed to you know, your your default gun i guess you could say did you put any of the uh, engravings yes i did that too i put one some on my knife and then i played that five finger what is that that stab i haven't done that yet yeah i got used to it and um and so lenny or somebody will go okay here we go arthur you know he go punk 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 and so i'm like okay ax ax i'm trying to memorize like what you're trying to do and so <laughs> i'll do it as fast as i can <laughs> the controller and he's going <laughs> and then he'll like stab the um the knife into the table when he's done and you can see all the engravings you put on there and i think lenny actually said hey that's a nice knife arthur you know it just looks all embroidered and uh-huh. so uh but yeah i've been having fun plus i figured i gotta spend my money somehow because if i get you know somebody offs me <laughs> then um, they're going to steal some like a portion of all my cash sure sure so i gotta spend it on something i'm taking this yeah but I, I bought a new horse, my first horse. I lovingly named Roach. And oh, there you go. And uh, <laughs> did I tell you what I named mine? No. My first horse? No. Quicksilver. Nice. My second horse, I named um, No No after our first pet sheep. Mm-hmm. Not a horse, but a sheep. Yes. But uh, that was the first horse that I bought. I've, I've been trying to get like a Mustang. I want to last a Mustang. But Are there Clydesdales in this game? No, they're they're called. I I don't. Well, I don't know. I haven't seen a Clydesdale. The Clydesdales look like the uh, the Shire. Um, there's a there's a breed of horse called Shire that looks kind of like a Clydesdale. Yeah. Um, but uh, I saw one. I think uh, John Marston has one in the game, and then the the tail's real long, and the hoofs look real heavy, and the mane's real heavy. And uh. It looks cool, but. Uh, all the stats are pretty heavy. Like it's not nearly as nimble as some of the other horses. Sure. So if yeah. you're trying to make an escape, not the horse for mm. you. Also, one last thing too about RDR2, the fishing in the game is some of the most like Zen moments I've had in quite a while. I mean, it is so fun just to cast something in and try and find it. I have found three of the legendary fish and I think there's like a total of 13 of them or something like that. Yeah. So a whole lot more to fish. Plus, I haven't used all the bait. I, I actually found the uh, the the bait shop in La Grosse or however you pronounce it, and so I just went through and just cleaned out the 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 lady there in terms of just buying every single little piece of bait that she offered. And so I, I'm looking forward to being able to test each one out and see what I can get. And it's just I don't know. It's just a lot of fun to be able to do it. I really haven't done much like hunting, hunting. Right, which, I have. <laughs> I, <laughs> I need to get into that too. And there's just, there's just an absolute metric ton of stuff to do in the game, which is great. Cause I don't, I don't want to just blast through. Right. I found the legendary grizzly bear. Oh, congratulations, Steve. And it mauled me. You know, Steve, I wear this <laughs> with a badge of pride because you're not the only one. Mm-hmm. I beat him on my first time. Oh, snap. I mean, I, st- I found him and I'm like, wait, that's a bear. Is that it? Is that- I mean, because I, I got a, a black bear and I thought I thought that was like uh, something to be proud of. And then the legendary grizzly bear and I, he was kind of blending in with the brush. Uh-huh. I'm like, what? And then it looked at me and went, Ugh! 
I'm like, no, and I'm like trying to equip the gun and like try to hit dead eye, you know, so I could slow time down and actually yeah. get some good shots. And nah, I think it was too fast and mauled me. Oh uh, yeah. No, I was, I had my rifle out. And uh, the bear charged me. It wasn't on horseback or anything. And I saw it. I'm like, <gasps> and so I, I got <laughs> off uh, the two shots I can do. And then it tackled me. And so it was on me. And it was just like like starting to rip into me and stuff. And what I did is I actually took out my knife. And so I started going like just knifing the bear. Like, <laughs> and so the bear's like stabbing me. I'm stabbing the bear. And then at one point, the bear um, went up on its hind legs as it was like, it was still like pinning me down. It was still standing up and I could tell it was going to do that big like body slam thing that it does. So I, at the last second whipped out my pistol and then um, I didn't even do dead eye. I just like, just let loose with the trigger. I was like, bah, 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 and then that, that caused him to keel over. But let me tell you, I was almost um, at the point of meeting my maker because yeah. the, the whole view of the screen was like this like red purple color. Yeah. And I looked at my little like health core thing and it was like, I mean, one more hit. I think I would have been out. <laughs> Cracker button, cracker button. Where's yeah. my crackers in life? <laughs> oh man, where's my cheeses? <laughs> yeah. I th- it gave me the option to pull out my knife, but it was only there for like a split second. I'm like, oh yeah, knife, and then I was dead. I'm like, great. Oh man, it, it was so, and it, it was really, really intense. But at the same time, it was also kind of funny because like the one weapon that was kind of close to like a bear claw is like your your hunting knife. You're like, oh, you want some of this? Come on, man. you know. It's, it's just I don't know. It was just pretty funny, but. Don't feel bad, Steve, because I've talked to other friends who um, have also died while facing off against a legendary bear. And then they come back and they they're able to take him out uh, later on. But I got to say, the more people who I talk to who said that uh, they were not able to take out the bear in the first time, try, I, I'm just like, all right, well, <laughs> yay me. I pat myself on the back. I got the legendary coyote. I shredded back. <laughs> <laughs> You got you got the legendary coyote. Yeah, I kind of I stumbled on the area he was at, and I was like, he says you're on legendary territory. I'm like, oh snap, <laughs> what do we got here? But uh, there's a dude that you got to bring the legendary stuff to, and Trapper. he yeah he he uh, crafts something for you. I don't think I liked what he crafted. I'm like, Shh, I'm not gonna buy that. <laughs> <laughs> I did buy the bear head or did the you? bear hat. Yes. Okay. The bear head that was turned into a hat, <laughs> and I was I was wearing it around the camp, and they're like, "Well, that's kind of a weird hat you got yeah. there, Arthur." Golly. <laughs> well, Steve, uh, how about we segue into this week, or is it the week? What is it, Steve? Well, I guess it'd be this week, because right? it's kind of like this week. I think you're <laughs> correct. It is this week in gaming and movie anniversaries. What do you have for us this week? Well, I, uh, I'm including one extra movie. Usually I start with like 15 and go older. Uh-huh. I'm going to start at 10 because we're a little bit like this, uh, this week, Russ. So turning 10 as of, uh, November 14th, back in 2008, Quantum of Solace. Oh man, that's yeah, already 10 years old. That's what I'm saying. James Bond action. Yeah. Godly. Are we on the verge of another James Bond movie? I know there's talk of one, but I don't know if production has already started. Hmm. Well, this is a good one. I own it. I think you do too. I used to demo a lot of speakers with this movie. Turning 15 as of November 14th, back in 2003, Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World. Yeah. It's one of those movies where you, it's written from a book. 
And the book I, I got off uh, Kindle. I started reading it when I was flying back and forth from Canada. Good book. That, was that directed by Rob Reiner? I don't remember off the top of my head. Fantastic movie, though. Yeah, it's really good. That beginning, the opening sequence, you got to turn it up crazy loud. Man, I sold a bunch of speakers off that scene. Thank you, guys. Anyhow. Uh, <laughs> turning 40, Russ, November 15th was uh, back in 1978. There was a Lord of the Rings. Really? Shing Shang Bada Bizzle. A movie? Uh-huh. I believe, yeah, I'm, I got to look it up, but I know there was a whole animated movie. Lord of the Rings, and that could have been what this was. I, you know, I didn't look it up. I was going to look it up before today. I just got busy. When you said 1978, I was thinking Superman. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's probably coming up. Turning 90, uh, Steamboat Willie. Steamboat Willie. There you go. Going on to games, Russ. November 11th, 1993 turning 25. Disney's Aladdin for the Sega Genesis. Oh, man, that was a good one. That one actually pushed the limits of graphics on the Genesis. I remember playing that thinking, man, this is like really smooth frame rate. Well, the quality of animation, that, that was one of the interesting time periods was like all those Disney-oriented titles had amazing animation. Yeah. yeah. And I think that was one of the only games our folks got us for Christmas. They wouldn't buy us video games for Christmas. I think they bought us Aladdin. They did. Okay, so same day, but turning 15, uh, Crash Nitro Card. Like Crash Bandicoot. I remember, Nitro yeah. Card. I, yeah, remember, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if we had that one, but I remember we rented it at least mm -hmm. at some point. Good old Blockbuster. There you go. Uh, Beyond Good and Evil. Yes. There you go. Uh, Ratchet and Clank, Going Commando. What year did that come out? Uh, that was 2003. Okay. Uh, Legacy of Kane, Defiance. Oh, man, yeah. Medal of Honor Rising Sun. I had that one. NCAA Final Tour 2004. Mm. Those were all November 11th, Russ. And you can, and if you if you think about it, they're preparing for the uh, Black Friday. All these good games coming out. So after that, it kind of slows down a bit. November 13th, 1998, uh, turning 20, Tetris 64. So Tetris in color, but it also came with a little controller add-on. While you're playing Tetris and you're getting through the levels and it was getting crazy and chaotic, they had a biosensor that you could attach to the controller of the N64, and it would measure your heartbeat. Oh! As you're going, okay, switch this puzzle piece. Okay, now go down. Okay, no, 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 that one's not the fit. Yeah. So, Fitbit, Apple Watch. Yeah, that technology was back uh, back then. I see. Uh, let's see here. November fifteenth. Moving on. Nineteen ninety-three. Turning twenty-five. Sonic the Hedgehog Spinball. Was, that was okay. I never played it. Yeah, I, I, it, <laughs> it was wasn't too, really a big Sonic too much guy. of a departure from the, the classic Sonic the Hedgehog titles. Yes. Now, this one I did play, November 16th, 1998, turning 20, Thunder Force 5, perfect system. Yeah. Now, Thunder Force, that was, uh, that was one of those spaceship shooter side-scroller games. Thunder Force always had a good-looking ship. A lot of colors on screen. I like those games, but uh, crazy hard because as we were talking about before, at um, only a couple lives they would give you, and then you were and you're done. Start the whole game over. The whole game Man. over. Anyhow, last November seventeenth, nineteen ninety eight, turning twenty, Apocalypse, which uh, was known for 
It's use of Bruce Willis's voice and his likeness in the game. Really? Here's one for you. Oddworld, Abe's Exodus. That was a classic for sure. That was a weird game. Good that graphics, a, but... Oh man, the, the brain teasers in that one were awesome as well. Um, well, I wasn't really done yet. That was. Oh, I thought you said the last one. Well, I'm the last sorry. date, yes. Oh, I'm sorry, oh, Steve. Oh, my gosh. Okay, come on. Where is it? Well, well go ahead. You, you just, oh, okay, wait. I'll, how many I'll do finish. you have? Well, not that many. Okay, so <laughs> after that... Oh, man. You cut me off. Turning 15. Here you go. Project Gotham Racing 2. Oh, that, that was that was a good one right there. That was the one with the Ferrari Enzo on the cover. I remember that mm-hmm. one. And I was a huge fan of the PGR series. That was developed by Bizarre Creations. And okay. I, was, I was pretty heartbroken when they announced that they were no, no longer making any more sequels to that. But didn't some people who worked on that one go to the work on Forza? I want to say yes. I want to say that, that yeah, there were people, key people who came over to Turn 10 Studios yeah. or Playground Games. I'm not exactly sure. Not positive, but I, f- I could have, I tell you, I remember reading something about it. But and this is the last one. Oh, the last one. The best for last. <laughs> Need mm. for Speed Underground. I don't know if I played that one. Um, I played that one because I owned it. That was like, that's that one was considered... Probably the best Need for Speed that's ever been out. Only followed up by maybe the its uh, its sequel, because that was when uh, around the time that Too Fast Too Furious came out, and this one didn't really have that big of a story. It was just all about racing yeah. at nighttime, mm-hmm. but it introduced drifting uh, into the Need for Speed series, and you also impl- uh, introduced drag racing into the Need for Speed series, and you had to be careful because you had traffic you had to avoid when you were drag racing. You had to watch that you didn't blow your engine while you were drag racing. It concentrated on perfect shifts, drafting, that sort of thing. Plus, they had, like, this killer soundtrack to it. Like, they they had the title screen opening was the Little John and the East Side Boys. Uh-huh, yeah. Doom. Yeah, that one. <laughs> Three, six, five, damn, you're fine. Saka, 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 tell me one more time. Get low, get low. Yeah, I won't, I won't, uh, yeah. Uh, I remember we had our Japanese exchange students out that time, and they even knew that song, and they were telling to us, like, what? How do you know this American music already? Anyhow, there you go. Well, thank you for that, Steve. It's always a treat to be able to hear about these games. Man, the PGR thing, I can't get out of my head. I was such a fan. I got PGR 1, 2, and 3. I don't know if they made, They may have made a 4. I can't remember exactly. Well, they made a PGR Gotham, too. Well, it, well, that, that, that's what it is. It's Project Gotham Racing. Or are you saying that the, the title itself was named PGR Gotham? I think it was PGR Gotham. I don't remember... Um, but I love the kudos system in that. I loved how the idea was like you, when you took turns or, or just the way you would pass other cars and stuff, you would earn those kudos, which in kind of a indirect kind of a way, um, Forza does something yeah. similar. Yeah. They kind of adapted that a bit, but I always liked the, the graphics flair and the style and the music. I mean, the whole package I thought was, was terrific. <sighs> I'll have to pop that in. Mm. Oh, I wonder if the PGR series is a part of the Xbox 360 backwards compatible list. Because they're always adding to it. Yeah, most likely it is. I mean, I would the graphics for that series was pretty good. So well, let's get into our topic of the day. What do you say? Let's do it, right?
So I thought it'd be appropriate to be able to play that for our topic of the day, seeing as how uh, we are going to be paying tribute to Stanley, who uh, passed away, uh, sadly, earlier this week. <clears throat> and um, been having to kind of think a lot about just the contributions that his ideas have made over the decades and decades and whatnot. Um, but for those that, that don't know, Lee had passed away this past Monday on veterans day, which unto itself, um, I think it's kind of interesting how a veteran from the, the comic book industry passed away on veterans day, not to diminish any of the, um, importance of, of paying tribute and, and, uh, respects to the, uh, the soldiers who lost their lives, that sort of thing. But, uh, but I, I think, I think he was, he is a veteran. That I was just about to say, he is actually a veteran. He served, I believe, in the U.S. Army. Um, Under the title, playwright. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. I might have a note on that, actually. Um, I found I was digging up some, some fun trivia about him that I just thought would be fun to share on here. Lee's birth name was Stanley Martin Lieber, but used Stanley as his pin name and then later had it legally changed to Stan Lee. Wow. So, um, but he, he began working in comics in 1939 alongside Jack Kirby. And I think it's, um, it's important to make sure that, that proper credit is, is given to what each man was responsible for. So Jack Kirby was the artist who drew up these different characters. And Stan Lee was more of like the, the idea guy. He's the one who came up with these different characters and would give like kind of a, a, a general synopsis of, what this character was about, their backstory, and then let um, other writers and other artists really flesh out the character. So um, the company originally was named Timely Comics, and they ended up changing the name to Marvel Comics in 1961, which has a much better ring to right. it. <laughs> um, and of course, their first big hit was the Fantastic Four, um, more Lee Kirby creations throughout the 1960s included uh, the Hulk, Thor, Iron Man, and the X-Men. Um, Stanley also co-created Daredevil with Bill Everett and Doctor Strange and Spider-Man with Steve Ditko, which if you recall, uh, he passed away earlier this year. Um, so just uh, a lot of uh, just amazingly creative folk who um, have, uh, have left us this year. Um you know, I heard something, sorry to cut you off. I heard something about him making Spider-Man where he was speak. Mr. Lee was speaking with his publisher and his publisher was saying, why? No, 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 that's not going to work. You can't create a teenager because teenagers are not superheroes. They're sidekicks. And, you know, you're, you're telling me that this kid has his own problems like regular people do. That's never going to fly. Superheroes don't have problems. You know, and, <laughs> and he says, <laughs> and he goes, look, and people don't like spiders. You know, people hate spiders. This is not going to work. Stan. Not. And Stanley was saying that um, he was one of his other stories he was writing. Um, it was an agreement that if they wanted to introduce some new hero or talk about some new hero uh, towards, I think it was like the end of one of the stories, they could do it. And so he threw Spider-Man in there because it was he was okay with the publisher to do so. And uh, people were like, yeah, Spider-Man, this is great. Oh, that we want it. And his publisher said, hey, hey, Stan, remember that guy we were talking about, Spider-Man? <laughs> remember how we were talking about how good he was? Let's go ahead and go forward with it, you know? And Stan's like, yeah, okay, let's do yeah. it. <laughs> it's crazy how those things work. I mean, I've heard story after story of, of people in different industries who have 
just these these great ideas that get poo-pooed by you know the the man so to speak and then all of a sudden it gets uh proven that it's a huge sensation and then suddenly there's like a big turnaround and they're trying to be buddy buddy with the right. person who they just dogged right <laughs> so um but yeah what what are your what was your reaction what was your, what are your thoughts regarding um just stanley no longer being with us here so man i tell you i i heard about this when i was at work yeah and I whole, texted you. Was I the one who who broke the news to you, or did you hear about it before? No, that? I heard about it on Facebook. Okay. And no, actually, I, I forgot how it happened. But because um, I thought you were surprised, because I let me let me see my text. Yeah, it might have been your text. I don't know. I, I remember either you texted me, I don't know, or I, I was waiting for my computer to boot up, and I was on Facebook. One of the two, maybe one of the same. <laughs> but anyhow. Um, I wasn't going to make a big deal about it at work because, you know, we had work to do. And then one of my, my colleagues goes, Hey, Stanley died. What? Did you guys hear about this? Oh, yeah, you, I, you just sent me a bunch of crying faces. Yeah. Um, and so the entire workplace, with the exception of my boss, who was not into any of this stuff, he was like, yeah, okay, get back to work. Sort of thing. Everyone just stopped and like checked their phones and, and did, yeah. you know, just for about a good hour to almost the rest of the day it was pretty quiet. I mean, we did work, but not nearly as jovial. So, yeah, no, I, I've been thinking about it the whole week and it feels like almost we, that I lost somebody that was part of the family. Yeah. You know, it feels, it, it really does feel that way. And I think it's because when he wrote all these stories and these characters, he really did bring a lot of people together. So I don't, I, I don't think I, I share that sentiment alone. I think that's shared throughout the community because anybody who's anybody who has followed this uh, this man or this man's legacy or the stories he created or the characters he developed has found some identification with them mm. and has followed them a lot throughout their life. I mean, maybe from a kid all the way up until their adult life and passed it on to their kids as well, who also like it. Mm -hmm. So I think this man, you know, with his passing, yeah, I mean, we've, we've all grown to love him. We've all grown to love his work. Um, he, he was a good person. He did try to bring everybody together um, through something he liked he enjoyed um and yeah with his passing it just feels like, like yeah you, you know you you lost part of the family it mm. really does feel that way i mean he that's the first celebrity where i thought okay i really want to find out where the memorial service is around right where we are um you know I, the only thing i read was that his family wanted to keep it private with only a family and i definitely respect that but um Still, I mean, people were doing vigils and everything. I'm like, where's where's the closest one near me? <laughs> I'm sure. There. So, um, anyhow, what about you? So, I've been doing a lot of processing when it happened. I, mean, I, I was definitely struck by it. it. It's weird because I knew how old he was. You know, he was 95 years old. I mean, he he was he lived a nice long life, and I think that that's a terrific thing. And at the same time, I just didn't. It's weird because it's like it's like okay I know he's you know I I, I check on his his uh, his social media accounts on a weekly basis just to see like like what he has to say or what's going on sometimes they'll have some video footage of him just saying hi to the fans and I could tell that his health was in fact deteriorating he was getting more and more frail and just you know he, he's just getting to that point where he doesn't have a lot of time left and so it wasn't like he, like his death was this out from out of left field shocker of a thing. But at the same time, I was still shocked to hear about it and find out about it. And, um, 
for me personally, I think the one of the big things about it is that I'm a creative. I um, ever since uh, I was a kid, you know, I, I love to sketch. I love to draw. Um, uh, in my career, I've worked in the creative industries, um, just doing motion graphics design, 3D modeling, animation, concept ideating, that sort of thing. And Stan Lee um, was such a, a pillar in that area of my life in terms of what he brought to me um, in these comic books. And I think that, um, I think that that's one of the biggest things for me that, that like just has this, this tremendous impact is you have these, these certain individuals in life who can really come forth with just a, a, an amazing assortment or array of, of different ideas. And, and it doesn't have to be limited to the comic book industry, but also whether it's in technology or it's in diplomacy or goodwill, whatever it is, um, you have these certain figures that have made such a, a tremendous impact. And I think that Stanley is definitely one of those people in, in, from a creative capacity for me that um, I just, I will always be eternally grateful for. And just looking back to when I first got into comics, I've, I've talked about this on a previous episode of Joygasm where um, the first comic book I, I, I took a look at was Spider-Man. It was The Amazing Spider-Man. I believe it was like issue number 658. And ever since that point moving forward, it's like I just got completely entrenched into the world of comic books. And it really did open up this whole new door for me in terms of like, okay, how do you tell a story visually? How do you go about... Um, doing something that, that is, that is captivating. It keeps the reader's attention and, and being able to convey the story. And I mean, the, the rest is history, but um, you know, I also really, in, I really appreciated how accessible he made himself to his fans. Steve and I got our picture taken with Stan Lee just um, a couple of years ago. And he made, made a trip to the, the comic con that was in Dallas that I believe that was the first trip where uh, his doctor actually recommended that he not take any more trips. And he went against the wishes of his doctor to come to Dallas. And he also made trips um, so subsequently after that to different places in the United States. But, uh, but that goes to show you just how connected he is with his fans, how he really wanted to uh, make himself available to, to, you know, sign certain things, certain paraphernalia or, uh, you know, you know, he'll, he'll charge of course, you know, um, for, for getting a picture taken with him or whatever, but it was just really nice. And I really am thankful that we were able to go there and right. get that picture taken because now I'll be able to look back on that fondly and also be able to show my kids and grandkids, that sort of thing. And then just be like, yeah, this, this was, uh, the man who uh, was, um, largely responsible for a lot of the, the tried and true classic comic book characters that have stood the test of time. Right. I remember going that day and, <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> so I thought, I remember telling you like, I don't care how long we have to wait in line. Like we're seeing them. Yeah. You know, I remember Mark Hamill was there that day too. It was mm -hmm. like, okay, you know, the day we only have so many hours to stand in a line during this day and they were going to, they're going to throw us all out. So I was like, it was either Mark Hamill or it's Stan Lee. And we're, we both decided uh, it's Stan Lee. Definitely well, it's Stan Lee. I had actually surprised you with that because I had put in a, a reservation to get our picture taken with him. 
And um, I wasn't sure if if I if you could get a picture taken with me or not. And then we asked the the assistant there. And uh, she said, oh, yeah, you can have someone else come in there. And so I asked you, I'm like, do you want to be in this with me or not? And I'm so glad that you said yes. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah that's fine for an extra 20 bucks. <laughs> nuts. Um, I've been reading some of the, the tweets here by uh, some of like, the Avengers cast members. Mm. Uh, even though this is one's from Josh Brolin, of course. He wasn't an Avenger, but you know, whatever. Thanos. Thanos. So he says, uh, Stanley and Dr. Seuss and Ray Bradbury. That's where it begins and ends with me. To those of us who have been so deeply affected by the humanity of his imagination, the understanding of reaching beyond our potential and the necessity of tapping into our immeasurable imaginations, we thank you and are forever indebted. Rest in peace, dear Stan. You made our time here a better one. I thought, man, that is like... Yeah, whew. I've I've written down several... Um, tweets from from different celebrities that I'll, I'll share with you in just a moment because I, I do think that it, it is testament to just what kind of international appeal Stanley had. And I think, I guess I, I can talk a little bit about this right now. One of the really fascinating things about a creative person is they have a unique ability to be able to cross territories or cross lines of culture and nationalities and whatnot and be able to connect with people. And this has happened even back in the Renaissance days and before that, you know, like Leonardo da Vinci, for instance, he went, he was known to go to other countries and, and paint, um, you know, uh, portraits of different kings and queens and nobles and um, rich people and that sort of thing. Michelangelo with his sculptures and everything. Um, and I think that it's, it is really neat because even today when you have someone who has a natural gift, such as um, being able to sketch something out, you're going to create or cause a natural curiosity um, from all the people who are around that person. So like, like when they're sitting down, they're sketching and stuff, it doesn't matter who you are, where you came from or whatever. If you see amazing raw talent on display, you're going to sit there and you're going to be just mesmerized by it. And I think that was one of the neatest things about when the sad news broke was that I saw people on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, everywhere who were, were paying their condolences and respects to Stan Lee. I mean, these were people who were from all over the world. It wasn't just the United States. It was South America. It was in Asia. You know, um, I saw in Europe, it did, you know, I saw in Russia, it, it just, it didn't matter where it was from, but like there was this, this huge pouring of just this, this gratitude, this just thanking the late Stan Lee for, um, all that he did. Anyway, I think that the, the whole point of why I'm, I'm talking about this is just because in life and in the world, you're always going to have conflict. You're going to have wars. You're going to have people who don't like other people, that sort of thing. But there, there is a common bridge of sorts that brings people together, even if it's on a temporary basis. And that is art. That is one of the things that people do really value a lot. And I think that especially when it comes to creative storytelling and that sort of thing, that has been around since the beginning of man. Everyone loves to, to just be told a great story. They love the visual elements. I mean, that's why you have a lot of the, 
you know, the ancient cave etchings and drawings sure. on the, on the, the, the rocks and stuff. And then, you know, like, like I mentioned earlier, the, uh, the times when you had the greats like Leonardo da Vinci or Michelangelo, Donatello, Raphael, all of them, um, even to this day where we have such tremendous talent all over the world, I think that it acts as a, a foundation of positivity. And I think that that's, that, that is such a neat byproduct as it applies to, to someone who is creative is, is that you're able to bring those worlds together. Um, and I think, uh, it's, you know, someone like Stan Lee is, is really no different. I think part of it too is we've all have this imagination, not necessarily with superheroes, but of us being better, bigger and better versions of ourselves. And I think Stanley really brought that out with the characters he created because the characters he created didn't, you know, I mean, they all had their different personality traits, you know, and, you know, Tony Stark was a little bit, you know, arrogant, whatever, whatnot, mm-hmm. but we each had our flaws, but a lot of these characters, even with their flaws, they tried to do the best they could. Uh, with the gifts that they were given. Right. And so it wasn't like um, they were trying to be godlike or anything like that. And I think that's that's how we started to really fall in love with these these characters and with Stan himself because he didn't create he didn't create art um, to please somebody else. He started doing it because this is actually what he liked to do. It was he his passion. Wa- it was his passion. It w- these characters, no one was told him to create Spider-Man. No one told him to create Iron Man. No one told him to create Hulk. He just thought, okay, what would be cool? What do I like? And I'm going to make what I like. And if someone wants to jump on the boat with me, great. And a lot of us did. Mm-hmm. I think for that very reason of, of looking for better versions of ourselves, in addition to the splendor of storytelling. Yeah. Well, and you touched upon something that I think is very much a key to his success, and that is that... Um, he gave each of his superheroes relatable flaws. And I've been um, a, a very big proponent of this with any kind of character. I mean, even going to Star Wars, for instance, the reason why Luke Skywalker is so relatable is he is so flawed and we as human beings are flawed and therefore we can identify with a character like Luke. Because if you think about it, he failed at just about everything. Right. And I think it's the same kind of deal with Stan Lee where um, with the characters that he had, he, he made them relatable be- due to their flaws um, as opposed to making them absolutely perfect and indestructible. Because yeah. at that point, you're like, well, I can't really, re- really relate to this character. And, and I think that is why Superman as a character um, has some some pushback with a certain percentage of comic book fans is just because he's just too invincible. He's too strong. He's too perfect. He can't. Uh, he can't really be as relatable as to say someone like Batman who is human, who doesn't have superpowers. Yeah. Literally just all he has is he's extremely rich and he's just very dedicated to learning things in order to become better. Right. Plus he's got a big heart. <laughs> <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> so I wanted to also touch really quickly on some of the, the drama that went on um, during his professional career. So, um, as beloved as, as Lee was, um, he was, you know, we, we see him oftentimes as, as, um, just the smiling, affable person, um, often known as like Stan, the man, that sort of thing. And, and he's been able to, to really, um, cultivate just, just this beloved kind of response of sorts. 
Um, what's interesting is that I, as I was going through kind of the, the history of, of his career, there was um, a little bit of controversy that was here and there that I think is interesting to touch upon. Um, the, I'll just read what I have here in my notes. Lee is credited with creating the Marvel method of writing comics where he would write a summary of the story and let the artist draw the full issue from that rather than providing them with a fully scripted beat-by-beat breakdown. And so what that means is that the artist was basically doing the lion's share of the work um, in terms of just the, the creative legwork. And um, Lee was, was seen as taking an undue amount of credit over his artistic collaborators um, who like, you know, especially back in the old days, Jack Kirby was basically like the, the person of, of that. And in fact, in 1971, Jack Kirby even created a comic character based on Stan Lee called the funky Flashman, who was a money hungry man that took advantage of others and tricked people into thinking he was making creative contributions, which I mean, that's pretty that's funny. Yeah. That, that's, that's pretty raw right there. You're like, Whoa. <laughs> um, but luckily, I mean, like, like I, I, looking at this, I think about how, as a creative, you, you know, you're working in that kind of headspace, and you're working with other creatives. I've seen this on a much smaller scale occur too, where like you know, you have people who come up with certain ideas or whatever, and other people are are sometimes doing more of the the, the heavy lifting or whatnot. And uh, at the end of the day, it's it's just you want to make sure that you give credit where credit is due. And also just remind yourselves that, hey, we're all in this together. We're trying to make this amazing, you know, creative experience for the masses. And, you know, every once in a while, it's important to put your ego into check and that sort of thing. But um, through the years, though, Lee, um, he rose through the ranks at Marvel. He held positions as writer, editor, film executive producer, editor in chief, publisher and finally chairman. Um, since moving on from Marvel, he has remained in the public eye, of course, um, which largely has to do with like the Marvel movies with all of his cameos. I actually watched a, a montage on YouTube where it just shows every cameo that he was ever in. Yeah, there's tons of those on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, that, that was a lot of fun to be able to just check that out and, and just be reminded. I mean, it's crazy because he, I mean, he looks like if you look at him in. Um, Tobey Maguire's Sp- Amazing Spider-Man, he looks significantly younger. Hmm. It's just crazy to see, like, just as the time marches on. And, I mean, the first Spider-Man movie came out in 2002? A while ago. Is there 2001 or 2002? In fact, I have the teaser poster of it right over there. Yes, you do. I just can't see the year. <laughs> <clears throat> um. Anyway, going back to what you were doing earlier, um, I have a list here, which I think, I, I just think it's it's nice to be able to share this. Um, but the, the amount of gratitude that just has been pouring out from, from different people. Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige said in a tweet, no one has had more of an impact on my career and everything we do at Marvel Studios than Stan Lee. Stan Lee leaves an extraordinary legacy that will outlive us all. Our thoughts are with his daughter, his family, and millions of fans. Um, Chris Evans, mm-hmm. uh, who has played Captain America for the past seven years, um, said there will never be another Stan Lee. For decades, he provided both young and old with adventure, escape, comfort, confidence, inspiration, strength, friendship, and joy. He exuded love and kindness and will leave an incredible mark on so, so, so many lives, 
I was going to trip up on this word, Excelsior. Um, Evangeline Lilly, who mm-hmm. played in uh, the Ant-Man and the Wasp, yep. said that Stan, more than a master of stories, you always seemed like a master of living. I will look to you for inspiration for the rest of my life. You live on, XOXO, uh, your Wasp. Hmm. And continued in a separate tweet asking fans to flood the internet with any artwork that's ever been created out of inspiration from Stanley. Oh, yes, please. So definitely very nice there. Um, another tweet here says, you may not have known it, but your stories, editorial notes, letters, pages, and soapboxes that we read growing up became the voice we needed to guide us through life and inspire us to strive to be the heroes that you knew we could be. Rest in peace, Stanley, and thank you. And that was from Bill Roseman. Who is that? Who is he? I can't. I. Mm, you have to MDib it. Okay. Um, I, I can't remember if he was a director or if he was an actor. Um, <clears throat> another one here. Oh, man, heartbreaking. Rest in peace to a true pioneer and legend. My youth wouldn't have been the same without him. So grateful to have met the guy and told him how thankful I was for his work. And that was from James Wan. I wrote a fan letter to Stan Lee as a kid. He sent me a thank you note and a signed copy of how to draw comics the Marvel way. There is a part where it compares two different ways to frame a dialogue scene. I literally started my filmmaking education there. And that was from Joseph Kahn. Who was the, uh, I'm sorry, I'm listening to the tweets and I forgot the the gentleman's name that I was supposed to look up. Bill Roseman. uh, Thank you. R-O-S-E-M-A-N-N. Gotcha. Larry King said that we lost a real-life superhero today. Stan Lee was a visionary who elevated imaginations across the globe. I'm grateful for the time I got to spend with him. Rest peacefully, Stan. He, uh, he was a director. Okay. Mark Hamill said his contribution to pop culture was revolutionary and cannot be overstated. He was everything you hoped he would be and more. I love this man and will never stop missing him. They say you should... Never meet a childhood idol. They are wrong. <laughs> See, all these like really are the truth. Yeah. This, this is not Hollywood embellishment. Like sometimes when you see him on like a late night talk show host, I'm like, oh, so-and-so was so great to work with. Oh, they're always the best. Always the best. Nothing negative. Like this is, all these tweets are true to heart. Yeah. Uh, this other one, thank you, Stan Lee, for your service in protecting our freedom and for your creativity and imagination. You were and will always be a superhero. That was from Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, the Russo brothers, who are the directors of the Avengers movies, as well as the Captain America, yep. um, Winter Soldier, and um, Civil War, said, thank you for filling our childhoods with such joy you will be dearly, dearly missed. Elon Musk said, rest in peace, Stan Lee. The many worlds of imagination and delight you created for humanity will last forever. Um, Another tweet here. Thank you, Stan Lee. You gave us characters that continue to stand the test of time and evolve with our consciousness. You taught us that there are no limits to our future as long as we have access to our imagination. Rest in power. That was from Winston Duke. San Diego Comic-Con said, we are deeply saddened to hear of the passing of Stan Lee, a legend in our industry. Our thoughts go out to his many fans, his friends and family, Excelsior. Edgar Wright, you know, the, the director for um, Baby Driver as well as uh, Shaun of the Dead. Sure. and yeah. Yeah, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. 
He said, Stan Lee, rest in peace. Thanks for inspiring so many of us to pick up a pen or pencil and put your dreams onto paper. Excelsior. George uh, Taki from uh, Star Trek said uh, he inspired millions with his myriad of marvelous characters from Spider-Man to Black Panther, Thor to the X-Men. Legendary creator Stan Lee is dead at 95, but his stories will live on and continue to ignite the imaginations of generations to come. Rest with the stars, great sir. Even Netflix got in on it, saying thanks for being our hero, Stan. (laughs) Uh, Hugh Jackman tweeted, we've lost a creative genius. Stan Lee was a pioneering force in the superhero universe. I'm proud to have been a small part of his legacy and to have helped bring one of his characters to life. Of course, he's referring to Wolverine. Of course. Um, Joss Whedon, who was the director of the Avengers uh, and Avengers Age of Ultron, said that Stan Lee created a universe where if a character was beloved enough, they could never really die. Now that's thinking ahead. Thanks so. Thanks for so much of my life. You'll never not be in it. Um, Jeff John said, and now until we meet again, may the blessings of Asgard be showered <laughs> upon you. So awesome. <laughs> uh, Stanley Balder, the brave. Thank you for sharing your genius at your heart will, or, or your, thanks for sharing your genius and your heart with the world. Um, another tweet here. Farewell, my friend. You're not only responsible for the boy I was, but also the man I am today. I will miss you all my days. Uh, that was from Kevin Smith. Oh, yeah, he's yeah, yeah. He sure. he was pretty. From what I could tell, he was pretty tight with uh, right. Stan Lee. Yeah. Uh, Mark Ruffalo, who of course plays yep. the Hulk. Yep. You let us be extra human, superhuman. Even I am deeply honored to have been a small part in the Stan Lee constellation. Even NASA tweeted. NASA said, we're saddened by the loss of Stan Lee, a visionary who created a universe of superheroes and comics. In his honor, here's a deep field look into the universe from our NASA Hubble Space Telescope. And of course, they had a link showing uh, uh, just a really beautiful picture uh, with with that, that particular tweet. Uh, Mark Guggenheim said, rest in peace, Stan Lee. Thank you for making me believe in marvels. I thought that was nice. (laughs) Today, we pause and reflect with great sadness on the passing of Stan Lee. That was from Marvel Entertainment. Seth Rogen said, thank you for Stan, or excuse me, thank you, Stan Lee, for making people who feel different realize they are special. Even DC Comics got into it. DC Comics tweeted, he changed the way we look at heroes and modern comics. Um, We'll always bear his indelible mark. Very nice word. His infectious enthusiasm reminded us why we all fell in love with these stories in the first place. Excelsior, Stan. I thought that was really nicely said from DC Comics. Yeah. Todd McFarlane said his great superpower was making the people he met feel good about themselves. I personally saw this generosity to his fans, and he did it with genuine joy. I wish all of you could have spent two minutes with him. (laughs) We did, sort of. Getting our picture taken. Yeah. I'll never forget like when we got our picture taken with him and he, and he saw us and he's like, hiya, fellas. Yeah, hi, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> hi, Stan. Hi, Stan. I love you. Get him off. Get him off. Get him out of here. <laughs> Don't touch him. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o, who uh, was in the Black Panther movie, he was the love interest, I believe, of uh, Mr. Uh, Black Panther himself. 
Saddened to learn about the passing of Stan Lee from watching Marvel films with friends in college to having the privilege to take on one of his characters in Black Panther, Stan's creative genius sparked my imagination and left me in awe. His legacy will carry on. Um, I mean, they're, they're, they just keep going on and yeah. on and on. It's, it's crazy to look at all these. I mean, Samuel L. Jackson said, thank you, Stan Lee, for the escape from this world and a great joy inhabiting the ones you created. You made so many believe in the good, the heroic, the villainous, the exciting. Most of all, you were giving and gracious to us all. Rest in peace. Um, the U.S. Army, you know, you were talking yeah. about how he was in the military. They yeah. tweeted, it's a comic book creator, Stan Lee, has passed away at the age of 95. Lee is, uh, excuse me, Lee served in the U.S. Army Signal Corps during World War II from 1942 to 1945. We are deeply grateful for his service to our country and for his tremendous support to service members. Excelsior. I thought that was super cool. Angela Bassett said that onward and upward to greater glory, Excelsior, good man, Excelsior. Paul Be uh, Bethany said that, um, actually, I think it's probably pronounced Bethany. Um, now that was a life well lived and lived to its fullest, Excelsior, 1922 to 2018. Thank you, Stan Lee, from all your fans. And uh, um, Do you have Robert Downey Jr.'s tweet and uh, Chris Pratt's tweet? I have Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt said, thanks for everything, Stan Lee. What a life, so well lived. I consider myself extraordinarily lucky. Uh, luckily or lucky? Sorry. I'm yeah, luckily well. to be lucky by you. <laughs> I consider myself extraordinarily lucky to have gotten to meet you and to have played in the world you created. Um. Finally, one I have uh, was from Billy D. Williams. I have just learned of Stan Lee's passing. I had the honor of knowing this true superhero whose talents transcend and whose work impacted generations. Rest easy, my friend. You made this world so much more interesting and colorful. But what was the one that you were asking about? Um, Robert Downey Jr. tweeted, uh, I don't have it in front of me. I had it go in a second. How you're going to read it. But he says, I owe it all to you, Stan, which... If you think about it, that's, you know, Iron Man kind of started off this whole entire Avengers uh, yeah. adventure that uh, we've been going on. And he, Robert Downey's made millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. Um, and a lot of people look up to Iron Man, you know, in the comics. And he's one of the beloved characters. And, and um, there was a lot of commercial success with it. But at the same time, too, I think that there you can just tell that there is kind of a... Um, a fraternity sorority kind right. of mindset as it applies to just the, this huge list of actors, but not only actors, but like the directors, the you know, Kevin Feige, all the producers, right. Stanley, just the, the whole lot of them, uh, there's at least from an outsider's point of view, looking in, there is definitely a lot of just compassion and, and charisma that's there between all of them. And they're all having a good time. And you yeah. can, you know, you can feel that in all the movies that they're just, they're having a blast doing it. So did you read what uh, Bill Maher said? I don't think so. So he, he created controversy. So, <laughs> so you Bill have, Maher? Yeah, really. <laughs> creating controversy. Right. So you have this outpouring of very positive, very heartfelt, very truthful statements from a lot of accomplished people and organizations, right? So, uh, Bill Maher, I mean, Bill Maher can be funny. You know, I, I don't really watch him. He's on HBO, I think, and I don't have HBO. And I don't, you know, he, he, he's been funny. He's been right, but he's very controversial. He just says, he just started trashing uh, Stan Lee, saying that comic books made has made adults stupider, basically. So, you have, you know, all these tweets from directors and producers and the Army and NASA. I mean, 
tons of people who have been very successful in their lives and also have shaped other folks' lives in the country and the world. Because <laughs> that says this like right after his passing. I'm like, dude, okay, that that come on. That not only is it classless, but you'd have no clue what you're talking about. Absolutely no clue. Oh, well, it's, uh, I can't say I'm surprised. Yeah. Like, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. But, um, but, but yeah, if anybody, I would invite a lot of folks to read just these tweets. You can Google them. I mean, I know E oh, Entertainment yeah. yeah, has listed a bunch of them. And uh, yeah, they have them listed one after the other, after the other, after the other. I think it's important to say that this is just a terrific example of how positive the world can be because especially just as of late, there is just so much negativity on a variety of different topics and it, it can really just seem kind of overwhelming at times. Just, just, you know, you want to put, you want to be like an ostrich and, and put your head in the sand because you I don't know about you, but I mean, for me, like on a daily basis, it's just like, man, there's just, there seems to be just a lot of awful, lot of, of negativity that, that the, the world is having to put up with. And so seeing something like this had the opposite overwhelming reaction in terms of just seeing just how many people um, really did love Stan Lee, loved his creations and the amount of, of gratitude and respect and thanks that are being said. And we, you know, we focused a lot on more of like the celebrity side of things, but that's not to discount at all. Um, just the, the legions of fans, just everyday people like you and I who, you know, we, we, absolutely um, cherish what he created and, and we loved seeing him in his cameos in the movies and any kind of um, personal greetings and stuff. I mean, I remember um, the first time I met him was at San Diego comic-con and I brought with me this, uh, this nice print that had all of the Avengers. It was like a concept art of sorts, but it was from the first Avengers movie and he signed it in the, I believe it was the lower right-hand corner. I still need to get that matted and framed, but he took his time. He wasn't like like a little chicken scratch scribble. He yeah, just, here you go. Yeah, I mean, he, he, <laughs> first he asked me where I would like uh, for him to sign it. So I was like, oh, uh, could you sign it like right over here? And he took his time doing his, his autograph on there, his signature. And when he was done, he picked up the print and he looked up. He was sitting down, of course, and he looked up at me and he did this... <gasps> Uh, he did this gasp and smile while he like handed it to me as if he was like some little like eight year old kid. And it was like, he was just as excited to be able to sign that for me as I was excited getting his autograph on, on this, uh, this art print. So again, I think that that level of passion, like you talked about the accessibility that he had toward his fans um, I think that that he he, he kind of turned into kind of the cool grandpa everybody wished yeah, they had. Right. <laughs> so did you have any uh, concluding thoughts about uh, our topic? I have a quote from him. He says, uh, he says, that man next to you, he's your brother. That woman over there, she's your sister. And he's just talking like anybody you see walking on the street. He says, and that kid walking by, hey, who knows? He may have the proportionate strength of a spider. We're all part of one big family. Yeah. And there's a lot, there's a lot of meat and potatoes in that statement. Yeah. And again, that, that just plays right into just the, the type of quality human being that, that he was. Um, and also too, that, that also talks about, there are people in the world who I classify as enablers. 
Now you have good types of enablers and you have bad, you know, the kind who like want to turn you into a raging alcoholic. Those are bad. But there is a flip side to that coin in terms of enablers that see potential in others. And not only do they see that potential, but they act upon that, um, that potential and try to, um, you know, turn that as a catalyst into something that they can then be more empowered as a result for. And I think that Stan was definitely one of those types of people where he, he looked around and he saw just like what kind of capacity people had in order to achieve their full potential. And it's crazy. Cause I mean, for me, from my personal experience, I've only run into just maybe a couple of people who were like that, but they've had a tremendous impact on my life. And of course I'm forever thankful for them uh, to, to actually take a chance on some pimply faced little kid who like, you know, has nothing to offer, but they see something, they see that, that the kid has gumption or passion or whatever it is. And they're able to provide the necessary knowledge, wisdom or tools or whatever it is to be able to push that forward. And I think that that, um, someone like Stan was also a, a figure of sorts that really acted as a magnet of sorts for that, for people who, Maybe they're not not an artist or a creative, but what, whoever they are, you know, and I, and I just, I really, I've always tried to channel that myself or if I see someone where clearly they have potential um, in a certain area or they have some raw talent, it's like, how do we tap into that? How do we give them the necessary uh, right stuff of sorts to make, to just, just really like open the floodgates and all of a sudden they, they turn to this amazing story. So, um, I think just for me, like I just, uh, I too just have, have an amazing amount of gratitude and thanks toward Stan Lee. I, I think that, um, the, the whole world is better off as a whole, just in terms of, uh, being able to enjoy the types of characters and stories that he's been able to come up with. And I'm very pleased to see that, um, I, I, I really truly believe that there, his characters will stand the test of time, that they will continue to be celebrated and I'm so glad that actually that a huge company like Disney has turned into the acting custodian hopefully they don't go off the deep end yeah, and, was, and taint anything yeah. but at the same time you know if there had to be some sort of company that could keep it afloat uh, I think Disney's probably the one that fits the bill for that because if you recall Marvel actually almost went bankrupt uh, about 20 years ago I want to say I don't remember exactly what the date was but um, Stanley was very stressed out. He was very much um, on the ropes uh, with with his company going under, and luckily they were able to right the ship before it, it sank completely. And um, you know, talk about a turnaround story. But did you have any last uh, remarks? No, that was actually you touched on what I was going to say. Is uh, you know, Stan Stanley created all this and uh, has the community and the following behind him that has lasted his the great majority of his life, and. There is a slight concern there. Okay, you know, who takes up the, the torch? Who takes up the mantle from here? And are they going to continue the, the good recipe that Stan developed? Or are they going to use it for their own purpose or political agenda? You know, who like no one wants to, <laughs> to go there, but let's be real. You know, it might happen. Um, but no one wants that image to be tainted. No one, you know, everyone enjoyed these characters as they were developed early on. And they don't want to see their superheroes and their beloved uh, you know, members of the family, let's say fictional members of the family, uh, go away that, uh, they don't approve of, yeah. you know? 
Well, that wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm for exclusive and early access to the show. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. In addition to iTunes and Android, you can listen to our podcast on TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Spotify, and soundcloud.com slash joygasmtv. Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We'll see you next week. Later.